worship your holy name. We fall down and we lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus, the greatness of His mercy and love at the feet of Jesus, and we cry. sing it to him tonight why don't you just raise your hands and enter in we fall down and we lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus oh the greatness of his mercy and love at the feet And we cry, holy, 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 and we cry. To see you high and lift. 
special needs to the Lord. Man, it's just good to see each and every one of you this evening. I'm just thankful to be here tonight. Are you thankful to be here? Man, just to get away from the busyness of life in the middle of the, of the week. Man, the world is just so crazy out there and it's just like a, a fresh oasis in the middle of the week. Amen. To just let our minds be free to enter in and receive what the Holy Spirit has for us. Amen. If you prayer requests that I have here. We're going to take these before the Lord, and I'd like to ask Brother Sam Britton if he would take them to the Lord for us. Amen. I have an urgent unspoken prayer request uh, for, a co- for a co-worker. This is from Sister Crystal, if you'd remember that special unspoken prayer request. And uh, also, if you'd remember Sister Karen Buchanan in your prayers. Um, Brother Mitchell had to work this evening and uh, was not able to be with us. If you'd pray for him. Amen. And also the uh, Paschal family, if you remember them in prayer. Uh, he's having to work overtime. I think he had some uh, uh, issues with some folks that he'd hired. So just keep them in prayer in that situation. Amen. Folks that are not with us today. Uh, certainly think of uh, Brother Richard and Sister Mary. And I'm sure they would love to be with us. And Brother Joe and Sister Frida. And if you just remember them in prayers. Unspoken prayer requests. Amen. By the uplifted hands, we'll be praying with you. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, how we love you, Lord. 
Lord, you're the best thing, Lord, that's ever happened to me, Lord. And Lord, I just want to tell you I love you. Lord, now, Lord, as these prayer requests, Lord, Lord, are Lord, brought before you. Lord, you knew before the foundation of the, of the world, Lord, these requests would be mentioned, Lord. And Lord, I just come now, Lord, and I speak the name of Jesus, Lord. Lord, over each one of these requests, Father, Lord, that urgent, Lord, unspoken request, Lord, whatever that need is, Lord, Lord, I ask you, Lord, that you would just go, Lord, to meet that need. Lord, the ones that may be sick, Lord, the ones that are not here, Lord, for whatever reason, Lord, you know, Lord. But Lord, we ask you, Lord, that you would just be with them. Lord, just touch their bodies, Lord, if they need a, their bodies touched, Father. Lord, their spirits, Lord, whatever they need, Lord, we ask you, Lord, that you would, you would just be with them, Father. Lord, now, Lord, is, Lord, the, the word, Lord, to be coming forth soon, Lord. Lord, I ask you to open our eyes, Lord, open our ears, Lord, just to hear, Lord, what you have for us, Father. Lord, I can't tell you enough, Lord, how much I love you, Lord, and how good you've been to me. Father, be with each one of these requests, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Brother Sam. You can have your seats, man, just... Take a moment to rest there. We're going to continue in that mode of worship. Amen. I think it's pleasing to the Holy Spirit. And let's sing that little song. It's been on my heart. Fill my cup, Lord. Amen. Let's sing that together. Key of C, I believe, brother.
This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. Your holy presence living in me. this evening. We'll take up our evening offering. Invite our pastor to come forward. Man, we'll sing the song as he's making his way. Draw me close to you. Brother Mike Pritchard, lead us in prayer, brother. As we sing this song, just raise your hands and worship him, man, and just invite him to come near to you, man. He's got something in store for you tonight. It might just be a Wednesday night service. That doesn't matter to God. Every moment to gather in his name and worship is a privilege and an opportunity. Let's take advantage of that tonight. Let's sing it together. Draw me close to you. Never let me go I'd lay it all down again To feel you Oh, you are my desire Nothing else can take your place To feel the warmth of your embrace Oh, help me find the way Bring me back to you
I'd lay it all down again Well, to hear you say that I'm your friend And you are my desire And no one else will do Nothing else could take your place To feel the warmth of your embrace Oh, help me find the way Bring me back to you standing and in this moment let's pray together and I'd like to ask you to remember brother Troy and sister Connie and uh, specifically uh, brother Troy has had this ongoing problem with his heart prayed for him many times uh, he has uh, an, an enlarged heart is, is really what the problem is and there's some complications that go with that that they really don't have a solution for it's, he's been tested and he's been assessed, worn monitors, done all kinds of things, but it's like nobody has a clear answer for him as to what to do. Now, I believe that we should do what we can to right our situation, to be responsible over our bodies and so forth and, and do what we can. But when we can't do anything else, we have one to turn to. And he's a greater physician. We thank God for physicians, but he's a greater one. And so I think we should, together as an assembly, uh, pray for Brother Troy specifically and just pray that God would uh, correct the problem and uh, just allow him to be able to be in service. This week, he lifted a fridge off his porch because uh, he was going to bring it to somebody and he and somebody else were, uh, they had a dolly, but the dolly was on the on, on the driveway, it wasn't on the deck, so they attempted to lift it off the deck, and you know, it, it just caused a bunch of different problems there. But that's Brother Troy. He's a doer, he's a worker, he's not a person to sit around and, and not be doing things. And so it just kills him not to be able to work like he used to, and it kills him not to be able to be in service. But Sister Connie, and most of you have noticed over the last few years, she's become more frail. A lot of it has to do with a congenital issue that she has in her back and her spine. Her sisters have it, and uh, she is beyond getting the ordinary type of shot. She needs a special kind of a shot given by a specialist, and there's only a few of them uh, in this part of the country. And so she's scheduled to go to one of those specialists to get a shot, and if that does not work, then the only option, the only alternative would be more surgery. And so that's an issue for her. 
the doctor wants her to walk with a walker. She doesn't want to walk with a walker. That's why they sit in the back, because if she has to get up and move around, uh, she's near the back. And uh, they're just, uh, like she said to me today in, in one of her texts, she said, old age is really not much fun. And uh, I, told, I assured her that we would be praying for her tonight. And uh, if you don't mind, just uh, take that upon your heart. They're listening tonight, and I know that uh, if they had any preference, any choice, they'd be here tonight. They wouldn't be listening, they'd be here. And so uh, because they're not here, I don't want you uh, not to think anything uh, other than there's a legitimate need there. So if you don't mind remembering them in prayer. And uh, the other thing I'd ask you to remember is in Malawi, Brother Precious, who is our uh, lead uh, helper over in the country of Malawi, uh, he has contracted ma uh, malaria and uh, he's quite sick and uh, has to go to a, uh, the, the normal hospitals don't have the medication to deal with malaria over there. So he has to get special, uh, get medicine that is effective. And uh, he's just been racked uh, with a lot of pain over the last few days. So I assured him tonight also we'd be praying for him. We don't have malaria, so we don't know what that feels like. Uh, they, they have it in abundance over there. And uh, there's a large, large swath of the earth's population in poorer countries that have malaria. And they deal with it every day. And um, if, if you don't mind uh, remembering him in prayer as well. Heavenly Father, as we come before you, Lord, in this sweet presence, Father, we know that you do care about your people. And whether we're old or young, whether the color of our skin is one or the other, that really doesn't matter at all to you, Lord. Distance, time, race, gender doesn't matter to you, Lord. I believe that you care about your people. And Lord, you told us to come and cast all of our cares upon you because you care for us. Lord, we believe that with all of our heart. And I believe also, Lord, that the scripture teaches us that those that are strong should pray for those that are weak. And we should, Lord, make sure that we consider one another because we never know whether we might be in that situation ourselves. <clears throat> and so, Lord, we want to be mindful of these needs. <clears throat> they're brought not only before us, but they're brought before the bride of Christ. And when they're brought before the bride of Christ, Lord, they come before you. And Lord, that's not a minor thing. We believe you are the God of all creation. Every one of us are fearfully, wonderfully made, Lord. And you are the great physician. You're the divine attendant. And Lord, you're the one who made us. And you're able to piece us back together again. In the name of Jesus Christ, I commit these needs that are mentioned before us tonight, Lord. And Brother Precious and uh, Brother and Sister Hughes, Lord, we com commit them into your hands and pray that in the name of Jesus Christ, you would move on their behalf and minister to them, Lord. Bring healing where it's needed. I thank you, Lord, for this group that have come here on Wednesday night. And I pray now you would make our time uh, profitable, Lord, that we might all be edified and that your presence, Lord, might be manifest among us tonight. We just want to say we love you and we thank you and ask forgiveness, Lord, for our failures and weaknesses. Pray you'd move on the scene tonight in every area of our lives. In Jesus' lovely name we pray. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, musicians. Appreciate that very much tonight. And uh, let's take our Bibles and go to Amos chapter 3. We greet you all in the name of the Lord Jesus tonight. And uh, when I came in the back, I just I encountered the same spirit that we left here on Sunday night. And I appreciate that. That's the way it should be. 
Amos chapter 3. We'll read this, then I'll make a couple of comments, and then we'll jump in tonight. Amos chapter 3 is very familiar. I've read it many times. Amos writes, Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth his secret unto his servants, the prophets. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word, and you can be seated tonight. Let me say at the outset that I really appreciated everybody's input and um, pull on the gift on Sunday. Uh, We had a lot of people who streamed and archived and so forth, and uh, the people who were here uh, were blessed. The people, uh, Brother Trevor and his family were blessed. He told me, he said, there's a lot of love here. And I said... Oh, really? How do you know that? He said, I can tell by the way people come into your office so freely. They don't act like they're in trouble. He said, they like, they like to be in there. And I said, you know, that's always been true about our church. Whenever I ask for somebody to come to my office, they just love to come. And I said, that's, that's really true. But he said, that love is evident among you. He says, you enjoy being together. And I said, well, we have a wonderful group. And uh, I said, that is a very true thing. And uh, so I appreciate uh, everything that was done. And, you know, I never like to take for granted our musicians, our, uh, our sound people, uh, our maintenance people who do a tremendous job, and our trustees who make it all light up when we arrive, and uh, our deacons who make sure that nothing gets lit up when we, we arrive. And uh, uh, it's just, it's just a, a wonderful cooperation uh, that takes place, and I, I really appreciate that. That, that just doesn't happen. Uh, that's the blessing of the Lord, and we should never, ever take that for granted. And even though you don't always see everything that happens, you, know, you need to realize that it happens because, uh, you know, we have people that are willing to do the work and uh, be in position, committed to the call, and so forth. And, and that's a wonderful thing, and I appreciate that very much. Um, Sunday is the beginning of Sunday school, August 27th, and so we want everybody to be here, and uh, I would encourage you folks to, uh, you adults, to make sure your kids get here on time, make sure they bring their Bible, and uh, be here, and we have uh, a wonderful program lined up for this year, and uh, we're going to have something a little extra added in for the adults uh, this year, so you'll hear about that as we go forward. And uh, so if you're not, uh, we'll give you a little more detail on Sunday, but uh, Sunday is the beginning of Sunday school. Now, I wanted to mention one more thing, and that is about uh, Labor Day. Sister Mia, good to have you uh, back tonight. Uh, About uh, Labor Day, we're going to have our uh, picnic. Nobody's allowed to be anywhere uh, on Labor Day weekend except here. And uh, we want you to come on, on Monday for our very first uh, Labor Day picnic. Never done this before. But what we're going to do is a uh, just a little uh, fun and relaxed afternoon. Brother Paul and his family is bringing some of the family and some folks with him. And uh, so we're going to have some singing uh, on, on Monday uh, as well. And it'll start at 11. Our official start date is 11. And uh, we have some wonderful food being prepared. And we have, and you'll get an email in relation to that. Uh, and then we have some games that are going to uh, be happening for the younger folks. We have a special surprise for the younger folks as well, which I'm not going to tell you about. 
Uh, but you'll see when you get here on uh, Monday at 11. And we'll eat at 1, and it'll roll on till about 4 o'clock or so, and uh, until the last cornhole is tossed, and uh, then we'll, we'll taper off. We wanted to do it in such a way that we're not going to have a great big setup and a great big cleanup, uh, but we wanted to do some little uh, activities for the kids and a special prize for the f- special thing for them to look forward to uh, on Monday. So we want you to plan that, plan that day and, and come and uh, join the festivities and that will be uh, a blessing. I am absolutely sure. Now, <clears throat> we have over the last uh, couple of Wednesday nights and uh, brother, uh, brother Trevor's weekend is a little bit tough to follow. But I will tell you, I was glad I was here, and I was glad that uh, I'm glad that he came, and uh, <clears throat> I loved his uh, I loved his uh, title and the approach that he took to it, where he talked about experience, which is necessary, and do, because it isn't just an experience, but it isn't just you know a, a book learning either. It, it's it's an experience and a do. So the experience puts you into action. And if you don't have the right experience, you're not going to be doing the right things. Isn't that right? And, and so they, they go together. They're not separate things. You can't have one or the other. You've got to have both. Speaking of both, people have been asking me, and I appreciate that. My, uh, I was supposed to have my stitches removed today. Uh, they're still here. If anybody wants to see them, I can show them to you. Um, the doctor was called away on an unexpected surgery today, so uh, I never got my stitches out. Uh, they rescheduled me for Friday to get them out, and uh, they said uh, they, they redid it all for me and so forth today and sent me on my way. But uh, I still can't clap, but uh, other than that, uh, I, can, I can swing at you with my left. <clears throat> so I, I, I love the principle uh, that, that he, he dwelt on. And I think it's a really, really important principle, and I think it's a really timely one. And uh, <clears throat> I, I want to just say, just in this little preamble here, because the last couple of Wednesday nights we talked about uh, how to study your Bible, and I give you some concrete things that you can use. And has that been a help? Yes. I'd like to hear from you, not tonight, but I'd like to hear from you how it helped you, how it helped you in your family, or how it helped you prepare a lesson for Bible school or Sunday school or whatever else, just in your own personal edification. Tell me how. I'm not looking for a compliment. I'm looking for, is that helpful? And if, if, if that's not helpful and we need more, there's lots more. I mean, there's lots more. Uh, I don't want to dwell too long on it, but I, I trust that I gave you enough that uh, you can begin to look and study and search on your own, whether you're young or old. Uh, I think you've got some really neat tools in your toolbox now to be able to use. And uh, if you have any questions about using any of that, I'm certainly available. Not a problem at all. Uh, It's something that I I love to talk about. Now, let me just show you this. Like There there are lots of resources that I never even mentioned. And this is a book that was put together by David Mamless, uh, who was an associate of Brother Branham when he was alive, and a very scholarly man, and set up uh, a database where he had, years ago, where he had all of Brother Branham's uh, sermons available without any copyright or trademark or anything else, and it was called The Free Word. And uh, Brother Mamless has passed on now, and and he's gone on his way. But that Free Word uh, database of all Brother Branham's sermons became the basis for 
all of our translations that were done outside of Voice of God in the world. Everybody who translates in the world is able to go to the free word, take an English sermon, turn it into a, uh, a sermon in another language. Brother Mamlis put out several uh, studies in his uh, lifetime. And this is one that's on marriage and divorce. And it has the full sermon of marriage and divorce. It has the full sermon of choosing a bride. And it has all the quotes pertaining to marriage and divorce. So that's just one. Uh, he did one on the five comings of Elijah. And he did one on tithes and offerings, which is, uh, I, I got a couple of copies of that, and I gave it to a couple of brothers just for review. Uh, but it, it's a fantastic compilation of all the information in the message related to that one particular subject. So many of these Bible studies are already done. And what you need to do is uh, you can check with me and, uh, you know, there's, there's some stuff available uh, that you can get online. And I've got most of the things that are available online. I've got them myself. And if you're wanting to look at some of that stuff, that's certainly fine. Now, here's, here's a, uh, this is an interesting, um, uh, let, me, let me just go ahead and say it. Brother Branham did, in the early, early 1960s, Brother Branham did a series called The Revelation of Jesus Christ, where he went through all of the first three chapters of the book of Revelation in the Bible, okay? And he dealt with and did an expose on all of the letters to the churches in the seven church ages. And he called it The Revelation of Jesus Christ. And it is 15 different sermons. Here they are in a red-bound volume. And these are the books that Perry Green put together years ago. But the, the 15 sermons are that series, The Revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay, Brother Lee Vale took that series and edited that in the only edited compilation of sermons of Brother Branham and produced the Church Age book. So the Church Age book is the edited version of these 15 sermons. Okay, so this is essentially this edited. And Brother Branham read through that. Brother Branham edited a lot of it. And, and, and he very often they would be driving in their car and Rebecca would just sit there and read the manuscripts to him. And he'd make corrections and changes and so forth all uh, for a number of years until it was finally uh, published and, and put out. and has his name on it. So it's not Lee Vale's book. It's Brother, I look at it as Brother Branham's book, and uh, it is, uh, it is a, a, a result of him, Lee Vale, taking these sermons and, and editing them and putting them into that uh, series of Church Age book. These are all available, and they are uh, certainly a, a great resource. Brother Lonnie Jenkins did a series on the book of Revelation, and he did it as a home study, and that's a series of DVDs that are available. And those are fantastic. It's available in a digital form, a written form, or DVDs. And if you wanted to do a painstaking uh, search through the book of Revelation, it is fantastic. I sat in on several presentations of that, uh, of that uh, series of sermons by Brother Lonnie uh, in different countries. And when I would travel with Brother Lonnie, uh, you know, he'd be teaching on that and, and uh, you know, going through the book of Revelation and doing it carefully for different people in different parts of the world. And I would be there with him and going through it. And that's where I tell the story that, you know, looking at Brother Lonnie going through the book of Revelation with all of his slides. And I, I finally said to him, I want those slides. I want a copy of all those slides as I'm going to go home and do that. 
He said, no. And I said, what do you mean no? I said, I want to have a copy of all those things. He said, no. And uh, some of you don't look like you don't remember this. So he said, so I'll tell it. And so he, he, he said, no. He says, that's, that's, that's not going to work. And I, I finally, I kept at it. I was so blessed by the series. I was so excited by the series. I said, I said Brother Lonnie, you just have to give me the slides, copy them. So finally he said, okay, you can have them all. And he did. He gave them all to me. Well, I got home and I said, folks, you just put on your seatbelts. We're going to go through the book of Revelation. And I had it all. I had started in number one. And by the time I got through about a half hour preaching on that, I had, I mean, I had lambs coming out of the mouth of dragons. And I had, you know, the, the, the church ages were all snuffed out with a candle snuffer and the seven seals. Now there was nine seals. And I mean, I, yeah. I was scratching my head, and I just closed it up, and I said, hey, we'll dismiss in prayer. And I went back to Brother and I said, what? tell me what happened. He said, I knew you'd call me back. He said, because it's a different ministry. He said, for me, he said, that's what God gave to me by revelation. And he says, as a teacher, he said, that's the way I, I think about things. That's the way I go through it. He said, you're wired differently. He said, that's not a bad thing. It's just that you're wired differently. So when you go at it, you're going to go at it thinking a different way. And so the word is still the same, but the presentation, I'm not Brother Lonnie, so I couldn't do what he did. It was a valuable lesson for me. The, the series, though, is tremendous, and I would recommend it. Uh, it, it is certainly uh, worth going through, and certainly uh, you'd be blessed by it. So those are available. Here's what Brother Branham said. I just love the reading of the word. And you know, the Holy Spirit feeds on the word. The Christ in you feeds on the word. Do you believe that? He said, Jesus said, as written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And if you just take it each day, not just as a routine, not because you have to, but just make it that your heart craves for it, just to sit down each day and read so much out of the Bible, you'd be surprised what it'll do to your spiritual growth. Certainly will. That's a great statement. So in... in in providing you with the tools that are able to help you study the Bible, uh, you're able to research, you're able to look up things, you're able to just be edified, uh, you're able to read the, your Bible, however you want to do it. But, I, you know, I don't have all the answers. And, I, I, you know, I don't, I'm not always available for every question that's asked. And so now you have some of those tools where you can look at it yourself. And I'm certainly glad to help. But uh, as some of you know, uh, you know, we don't always get an instant answer uh, back on certain things. Now, here's Brother Branham again, 1957. And I mentioned this to you on Saturday night. And he said, you go into a meeting and a pastor jerks his head and watch every one of the congregation jerk their head. And what he's referring to is how people can get one another's spirit instead of the Holy Spirit. That's what we don't want. Now, listen, some people, some people worship in a way maybe that's different than you. And you know what? That's okay. I, I, listen, I've, I've, I've traveled the world, the message world, and I've watched people worship in ways that are so completely different in different nations. Uh, but you know what? One thing is, is common to all of us is the presence of the Lord is the same. Wherever it comes. And secondly, secondly, the people, uh, people who are considered the bride of Christ in the earth love this word. 
That's what's true. And when you preach the word, uh, they'll, they'll, just, they'll just enter into that spirit and uh, it's a wonderful thing. So Brother Bram is not criticizing how people worship, but he wants to make sure that we catch the principle that when you go into a place where a pastor is a solid gospel teacher, all hell will never move that church. That doesn't elevate the, the, the pastor or the teacher, but it, it's, it's a people that have embraced the word of the Lord themselves. They've experienced it and they, they're doing it. They're believing, they're applying it, they're living it, and they're walking in that light. Let me tell you, that's a great thing. And if I don't do anything else for this church, if we never have another axe throw, and if we never build another building, and if we never have another uh, chicken fry, let me tell you, if I make you solid in the word, that's going to be the very best thing I can leave you. The very best thing. And so that's what we're going to need because we live in changing times. Everything is shifting. Everything has been moved around. And it's all that way because we're entering into that final stretch. So here's the way that I believe it. And I want you to, uh, I mentioned this before, but just while we're on this theme here, this is a story of the maniac from Gadara. And forthwith, Jesus gave them leave, the swine, and the unclean spirits went out, or the unclean spirits, and they went out and entered into the swine, the swine uh, they ran violently down a steep place into the sea, and there were about 2,000 they choked in the sea. So that was the, uh, you know, the, the, the big event that took place. And then they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and the country, and they went out to see what it was that was done. The whole country was electrified uh, by what happened here. In just a few moments, the entire situation changes here. All these swine are drowned in the sea. The man was a maniac. Uh, you know, he's now, here he is in verse 15. They come to Jesus and they see him that was possessed with the devil. That's the maniac. And had the legion sitting, clothed, and in his right mind, and they were afraid. My point has always been this. I believe you have to have both things that happen here. You have to have an encounter with the supernatural. But the supernatural encounter will always lead you to the feet of Christ. Have we got it? That's been my theme. That's been my approach for my whole ministry. That, and I, 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 I've, I've come to learn over the years that you can't just have teaching, but you can't just have the great supernatural experience without sitting at the feet of Jesus. When this man was converted, he sat down, dressed right. He wanted to know. He wanted to hear everything Jesus had to say. He's starting from, from scratch. He's starting from zero, and I want to go where he goes. I want to sit at his feet. I want to learn everything he has to say. I want to be right there. And when Jesus got up to go, he gets up to go, and Jesus said, hey, don't. He said, go into your town and tell people what great things God has done for you, that God has visited you. And so he did. But when a person has a real encounter with God, it's going to bring him to the feet of Jesus. Can you say amen? To me, that makes sense. And that's what, uh, there, there's, there's both parts. And uh, there are some people that are excellent. Their, their ministry is geared. They're, they're wired for, in the same way Brother Lonnie was wired for something that I wasn't wired for, there are some people that are excellent at, uh, you know, having an altar call and stirring the people up and being evangelistic. I'm not evangelistic. I'm just not that way. I, God never, I was out of the room when God gave that out. I'll give you an example. I remember one time I went to Ron Spencer's church years ago and uh, preached up there. And uh, I preached two services for him. And, uh, you know, we had a, 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 what I thought was a wonderful time. And uh, at the end of it, 
Brother Ron got up and he just, at Sunday night, and he just uh, took the service over and just had a couple of words and people started to come up for prayer. And, uh, you know, God was just dealing with my heart and I was struggling with a, a sickness, you know, just a, a thing that I was wrestling with. And I wound up coming up for prayer and I thought, wow, here I am, the minister. And I, and, and he just steps up and, and says a few words that, and the people started coming up for a prayer line. And I'm the one that gets helped in the prayer line. And I'm the one that was preaching that weekend. Because that's just not my bent. That's not, just not my way. I'm not ashamed of that at all. Because you know what? God knows what he's doing. God knows what he's doing. And I was blessed coming away. The people said they were blessed, but I'll tell you, I was blessed when I went away. And uh, that's how it works. We all work together. There's no one way. God has his ways of dealing with his people. And so, uh, you know, when we talk about this, this uh, whole title, when he said that title to me in the office and somebody came harassing him for a title before the service started there because they put it on the, on the website, and he said, experience a new, and I thought, wow, this is going to be good. I was right. Because that's, that's what happens. You experience the presence of God, and it puts you into action. It's a, it's a, it's a, like Joe says, it's a thing. It's a real thing. And, and it, there's, there's something that happens as a result of that. Now, let's, let's, because we've been studying, let's do this. Let's, let's talk a little bit about the prophets of Malachi 4. Because Malachi 4 describes two prophets. And this, this whole concept, this whole idea that we claim... And we claim it pretty readily. If you've never had the chance to explain this to somebody, you might be asked this in time. What do you mean there's two prophets in Malachi 4? We thought that was just about John the Baptist. But it isn't. It, it's, it's actually about two prophets that come in two different eras of time. They're very different men. One comes to the Jews, one comes to the Gentiles. And what is the basis for saying that they both come out of the same chapter? Now, there's a, there's a really good... Uh, 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 order of, uh, of discussion here. And just, just so that we'll have this, let's see how far we can go here tonight. Now, in our text, it says that uh, the Lord will do nothing. So therefore, prof- let, me, let me ask you a question here at the beginning of this, because this is going to be important. Do you believe that Brother Branham was a prophet? Yes. All right. Do you believe he was a biblical prophet? Yes. Now, that's not just somebody who prophesies. Because technically, by the definition, I'm a prophet too, because I'm a preacher. Right, But Brother Branham was not on that level. Brother Branham was a biblical prophet. And I would, I mean, I I have no reservation, I hope you don't either, but I believe he was on the order of Moses and Paul. You're comfortable with that, I know, but you can't go into your work tomorrow and say that, right? without having some justification for that statement. That really is quite a bold statement. It isn't for you, because you know what? You believe. But that is really quite a bold statement. Let's do just a couple of slides on the background here, because the word surely means that without a doubt, God is going to uncover, he's going to make known things that are known only to some and not all. Now remember, God does not hide things from us. God hides things for us. But there are some people in the world who never get to see what you see because they were never ordained to see it. And predestination is sure. Now in the the scripture, this is just an interesting footnote here. 
Before time in Israel, and this is a, a brackets verse, it's all in brackets here, 1 Samuel 9.9. In other words, the, the writers of the scripture felt this was important here. God inspired them to write this so that we could understand something. In Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, thus he spake, Come, and let us go to the seer. For he that is now called a prophet was before time called a seer. So you remember when, uh, you know, there's different instances in scripture where certain things came up. And they said, oh, let's go inquire of the Lord. Let's go find the prophet. And they'd, they'd move from village to village and they'd go to the place wherever the prophet was and they would seek him because they knew he was a channel. He was like a conduit to God. And somehow or another, this man had a communion and an interaction with God that ordinary people didn't have. And so when there was a problem or an issue or a question and somebody wanted to inquire of God, should we go up to battle? Should we take the land? Should we do this or should we do something else? What, to them, the last word was, let's go find a prophet. And you know what? If that real, genuine, biblical prophet said so, it was good enough for them. And if the prophet said no, that generally was good enough for them too. You remember in the book of Isaiah, no, I think it's Jeremiah, when uh, the, the, uh, the people were taken off into captivity. Remember that story? And uh, there was a remnant left. And they came to Jeremiah and they said, should we go too or should we stay? Because there's only a little bit of a, a little group left. And so should we go or should we stay? And the prophet went and said, I'll, I'll, I don't know. I'll go ask of God. He went and asked of God and he came back and he said, whatever you do, don't go. His answer was abundantly clear. I mean, it was really clear. Because there's not a lot of ways you can misinterpret no. And the people said, well, we don't really believe you're a prophet. And they went on, you know, they went off to Egypt and they all got messed up down in Egypt and so forth. And God said, I should have just written you all off then. But he said, but for the mercies of David, he said, I'll bring you back into the land again. But <clears throat> that was the idea that they believed that a prophet was a channel to God. And so therefore, uh, it was important for them to find out from God. But a prophet is not made by laying out of hands. In other words, we don't elect prophets. We don't choose prophets. In the same way that the disciples chose Matthias, no doubt a good man, but he was not meant to be the next disciple to replace Judas, right? And so therefore, in this way, on a higher level, we don't choose prophets. Nobody chose Brother Branham to be a prophet. just like nobody chose Moses to be a prophet. Before I formed thee in the belly, before you were even conceived, before there was any speck of you, I knew you. And I ordained you a prophet. And so this is another level that God has in terms of, uh, you know, sending a prophet on the face of the earth. <clears throat> now, here's what's interesting. Here's a little footnote in your studies that all of a sudden we find out in the book of 1 Samuel, we find out about this thing called the school of the prophets. Really? Yeah. School of the prophets. We don't find out anything about the school of the prophets in the old, in the old, old Testament. Moses never talked about school of the prophets, but... There's a period of time in here, in the, in the life of Samuel, where he wrote many, many things. And when the archaeologists and the historians go back and looking at the writings of Scripture, and they do this full-time uh, in places like Israel, they go back and they realize a lot of the volume of material that we have today came from this period of 1 Samuel chapter 10, when Samuel was on the earth, and he wrote poetry, he wrote stories, he wrote histories, he wrote biographies, uh, you know, he wrote all of these things, and much of it is what we have in First and Second Kings, First and Second Samuel, and First and Second Chronicles. 
And that's where a lot of it came from, in the era of Samuel. And Samuel surrounded himself with young men in the same way, in the same way that the church age messenger Columba surrounded himself with young men. And they sat at his feet and learned and uh, they, were, they were taught not like in a, a monastery, like monks who go away and live in seclusion. That was not the idea at all. It wasn't the idea for Samuel and it wasn't the idea for Columba, but rather they came and they sat at the feet of those prophets and listened to what they had to say and listened to what they had to preach in order to go out into the world and bring the light. And there, if I had time, there are all kinds of great testimonies of the people that sat with Columba uh, on, the, on the Isle of Iona. If you come into my office, and you all freely love to come in there, I know, right on the door, above, right on the wall above the door, is a picture of Iona. And that's where uh, Columba lived, and my wife and I got to go there. We sailed out in a boat to go there, and it's a really neat place. And uh, it's where Columba had all these men who came, young men, and he, he, he uh, taught them and, and uh, talked with them, prayed with them, and so forth. They would sail on ships and go down to England and uh, down to France and Portugal and Spain, Germany and Switzerland, all those areas, and preach the gospel. Many of them became martyrs, but there was great supernatural miracles that happened with them. It was not in any way any kind of denominational thing. And it was not in any way kind of secluding those men. They were being trained to go out in the world, going into all the world and preach the gospel. That's what it was. But this happened in the days of Samuel, okay? And it says, And Samuel took a vial of oil, vial of oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord has anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance? Now watch now what happens to Saul as he's anointed here. Saul started off good until he wasn't good, but he started off good. And thou shalt come to the hill of God, this is, what, this is what was told Saul. I shall come to the hill of God, where is the garrison of the Philistines? And it shall come to pass, when thou come hither to the city, thou shalt meet a company of prophets coming down from the high place with a psaltery and tablet and pipe and harp before them, and they shall prophesy. So these guys, these guys who are in this school of the prophets, they're, uh, you know, they're, they're anointed. And you're going to run into a group of them that are coming out. And there's, this is the music uh, graduating class. And uh, they're going to be playing and, and so forth. And they'll be prophesying. These guys are in the spirit. That's the way they are. And Samuel says, you're going to meet them. And he says, and the spirit of the Lord will come upon thee. And thou shalt prophesy with them. And they shall, thou shalt be turned into another man. You're going to do things you never thought you'd do because you're going to come under the anointing that these fellows bring with them. Interesting, isn't it? Like I said to you last, Saturday, last Wednesday night when Brother Aaron stood up here, he brought a spirit in the, into, the, into this pulpit. And I don't know how sensitive you were to it, but I really was. And I could sense that. I mean, that spirit reached into our vehicle and we were, we were miles and miles away from here. When Brother Trevor came, he brought a certain spirit into this assembly. I hope you sense that there's a different spirit here than there was in your work today or in your school today. There's a different atmosphere where the presence of God is, right? And we're affected by that. That doesn't mean that Saul was a prophet. It just means that when you come under that anointing, there's going to be a certain uh, spirit there that's going to transform you, and you'll prophesy like them. And then, again, in 1 Samuel 19, And it was told Saul, saying, Behold, David is at Nioth in Ramah. And Saul uh, sent messengers to take David, and then they saw the company of the prophets prophesying. Here they are again. 
Here's the, the boys from the school of the prophets. And Samuel was standing as appointed over them. So this is not something that Samuel was against. Samuel was for this because of all of the different things that were going on in the days and the ministry of Samuel. Now it doesn't go into detail here, but I thought it was an interesting footnote. And the Spirit of God was upon the messengers of Saul, and they also prophesied. So this was not Saul. This is messengers from Saul to go find David. Remember now, Saul's trying to kill David. But these messengers come, and they run into these boys from the school of the prophets. And 21, and when it was, oh, sorry, and the Spirit of God was upon the messengers, and they also prophesied. So these guys are coming to capture David to kill him, and all of a sudden they're speaking in tongues, and they're, and they're you know, rejoicing and so forth. 21, and when it was told Saul, he sent another, uh, he sent other messengers, and they prophesied likewise, same thing. And Saul sent messengers again the third time, and they prophesied also. So all these guys are coming back in, the, in, in revival mode, right? They're coming, they're supposed to be going to find David, and they're coming back in revival mode. And then he went also, then when he also, Saul went to Ramah, and came to a great well that is in Seku, and he asked and said, Where's Samuel and David? And one said, Behold, at Naioth and Ramah. And he went thither in Naioth and Ramah. Watch now. And the Spirit of God was upon him also. And he went on and prophesied until he came to Naioth and Ramah. And he stripped off his clothes and prophesied before Samuel in like manner and lay down naked all day and all night. Wherefore they say, Wow, is Saul among the prophets too? It's amazing. But this is, this is, uh, these are not, the, these boys who I'm talking about here, and I'm not making light of them, but these ones that were followers of Samuel, and reading the school, what, what's referred to as the school of the prophets there, <clears throat> they had a genuine anointing of the, Holy, of the Holy Spirit on them. Come on, folks, don't be afraid here. They had a genuine anointing, and people who came underneath that, they were affected by that. Just like you can take an unbeliever off the street and bring him in here, and the Spirit of God's moving, hey, they'll act just like a believer. They'll sing and wave their hands and everything else. They don't have a clue about what's going on. But they're affected. They're lifted up. They're anointed by that spirit. Just like the people who were coming to capture David. And here they are singing and rejoicing, right? And then they go out. And once they get out from underneath that anointing, things go back to the way they were. But here's Saul coming. I sent three squadrons of soldiers to get David. And my goodness, you guys can't, can't do it. I'll go myself. And he goes and falls down and takes off all of his garments here and lays before Samuel all day and all night. And the people are saying, wow, he's acting just like one of them. Well, that's the power of the presence of God that does that, right? But these are not, listen, these are not biblical prophets. Even though they prophesy and even though they're uh, dancing and they're under the anointing, they're not biblical prophets. Samuel is a biblical prophet. There's a difference now, Okay. Just like Elijah and Elisha, you know, going down to the river where Elisha finally sees the, uh, you know, the, the river and smites the river with his mantle and goes across there. And there's all the way down. There's, there's a voice from the school of the prophets saying, hey, we heard Elijah's going to go home. What do you think? And Elisha says, hey, just hush up. Just leave it alone. Don't say another word. And they go down a little bit farther and he says, hey, we heard that Elijah was going to go up in the uh, go up to heaven, he's going to believe us. And Elisha said, ah, oh, just be quiet, just leave it alone. And they went all the way down to the place. Just, they were said there was hundreds of, this, of the school, boys from the school of the prophets there. But they're not biblical prophets. And I'm saying that <clears throat> for a reason. Because I believe that God sent a biblical prophet into our time. 
And I believe he preached a word in season. And that word, with the Bible and the prophecies for our time, is an absolute. And I would just say as my footnote to you tonight, don't mess with the absolute. Don't start going in and saying, well, Brother Branham said this about movie theaters, but that doesn't apply now because he didn't know we'd all have phones and so forth. Don't mess with the absolute. There's some reason he said some things about some things and didn't say some things about other things. And you know what? Unless God's told you and vindicated you, your opinion really doesn't matter a whole lot. I'm not saying that critically. I'm just cautioning you, don't mess with the absolute. You say, well, I can trim my hair and I can, I can wear short skirts, I can do what I want. Listen, uh, i give you a piece of advice and I'll say it again. Don't mess with the absolute. Because it isn't your absolute to mess with. It's God's absolute. And he was a biblical prophet. And that makes a difference. We don't need to go behind him now impersonating his gifts. Because, and we'll get into this later on, but let me tell you something. God sent a prophet to lead us somewhere. And that's what's more important than the gifts God used through him to get our attention. That never raptured anybody. Where he leads us is what's important. Where he leads us is vital. And I will tell you something. You'd do well to be watching where any ministry is leading you rather than how well a ministry is impersonating him or anyone else. Think now. You need to think. Because <clears throat> we're, we're being led somewhere. Brother Branham pointed us somewhere. God did not allow him to be here until then. But let me tell you, he, he pointed us somewhere. That somewhere is way more important and valuable to you than what God did to get your attention. And that's not what we should major on. What we should major on is where we're supposed to be. We'll, we'll talk about that. So Brother Bram talks about the school of the prophets, and I'll, forgive me here for a minute here, but... We're in the last, the third and last stage. Now notice, it's 1947. And at the beginning of Brother Branham's ministry recorded, he said, we're in the third and last stage. I mean, this sounds like 1963 in the third exodus, right? Gone through three exoduses, we're at the third, we're at the end of this Gentile dispensation. And remember, the Pentecostal age is a rejected age because it's the Laodicean last church age, lukewarm, and it'll be spewed from the mouth of Christ. But God in there will draw out his people out of that Pentecostal age. Did you get that? God will draw out his people out of the Pentecostal age. You say, well, I'm looking for a great age. He said, there's a teaching. The schools of the prophets. And they say, it's all a great church age is coming. Don't believe it. The schools of the prophets in our time. And they're all saying one thing. And here's a prophet saying, don't you believe it? Next thing to come is Christ for his church. And that's going to be like a Romeo and Juliet scenario where he comes at night and steals her away, right? 
Remember, the last church age is the Laodicean church age, a lukewarm that's spewed out of God's mouth. So you know what? There's schools of the prophets going out and saying, hey, it's going to be a great day coming. Hey, glory to God, hallelujah. Run around the church and say it again and say it a thousand more times. Give me a great age coming. And here's Brother Bram standing there like Micah stood before the 400 prophets. And Jehoshaphat said, isn't there one more? Yeah, there's Micah, but we don't like him. And he came in and he said, hey, I see Israel as a, sh- a bunch of sheep without a shepherd. You know what he was? He was a real prophet. A real prophet. Real prophets don't compromise. Do we have schools of prophets today? <laughs> you better believe it. That's an understatement. Don't do this at home, okay? Trust me. You can go to the schools of the prophets. You can get a Daniel anointing if you pay enough. You can get a practical prophetic ministry. You can even go to conferences where the school of the prophets meet. And you can be ordained as a prophet. That's Redding, California there. Jimmy DeYoung has a school of the prophets institute. Just in case you're wondering, you want to do the long-term course. But if you don't know you're a prophet, you can do this. You can get a spiritual gifts inventory. Just like you can find out what your vitamin E level is, you can find out whether you have a prophetic gift. And you can discover and understand and engage your spiritual gifts with service, prophecy, giving, organization, mercy, teaching, and exhortation. Where do you fit? Sign up here. Matter of fact, you can write your checks, make them payable for Barry Coffee, and I'll make sure that you get, you get told what your spiritual gift is. Here's a free spiritual gift test, and there's spiritual gift seminars and so forth. Hey, Earl, this, this, is, not, this is not in the days of uh, Columba. This is today. I just grabbed a couple because I don't have any more time to waste. Here's what Brother Bram said, and a seer was the one who had the interpretation of the written word. Watch what he says now. Remember now, a seer or a prophet... They're, they're terms for the same person. A seer was the one who had the interpretation of the written word, and he foresaw things that was to come. So he's a forth teller and a teller forth. And when he spoke of the things that was to come, he proved that he was a seer or a real prophet. Then he knew. They knew he had the right interpretation of the scripture because God through him manifested the written scripture for that day. So not because he says it, but because God vindicates what he says and comes back and manifests that in that day. All right, he says it again. Same paragraph. Don't be slothful. Wake up. That was the plain identification, a seer, a forth teller, and a teller forth. And the only way they knew he was getting the right interpretation to the scripture is because what he said came to pass. So how do we know that Brother Brandon was a real prophet? Well, we have 1,167 tapes that you can listen to that talk about how uh, he knew certain things about people never having met them. And we still have eyewitnesses. We have documented uh, cases where people have testified, you know, I just showed up at the meeting or somebody told me to come to the meeting because I was sick or whatever else. And all of that took place and, and that was supernaturally done. And doctors, excuse me, written about it and all kinds of things there because... It was not man-made. It was God vindicating that that prophet was indeed my prophet. And the things that he prophesied of came to pass. And the scriptures that he brought to us were the scriptures that were pertinent to our day. So we know, not just because somebody says something. And believe it or not, there are still people out there just saying things. And if it's not true, Brother Bram said, you ought to repent and get that lying spirit off you. Get that lying spirit out from among you. 
You know what? We don't need another William Branham. God knew exactly what he was doing in sending William Branham. So then, how do we divide? How do we do this? And I'm sorry, but we've run out of time here. Let's just briefly walk into it, and then we'll, we'll pick it up. Here's Malachi 4. You're all familiar with it, but it's a good, it's a good reminder. And, and as we read it, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. So that's the, the two verses that are in, on the block here tonight. And we want to look at that. And let's look at John the Baptist here first. In Isaiah chapter 40, he's prophesied. Hang on to this particular scripture verse here. He's the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness. He's the voice of God. That word him there is Elohim, the voice of God that crieth in the wilderness. And his message is, prepare ye the way of the Lord and make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Now when they came to John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 3, in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness and saying, Repent ye, the kingdom of God is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, the voice of him crying in the wilderness. So this is what the scripture says about John. And John's message is exactly what Isaiah 40 just described. He's the one who came and said, you're going to make a way for the Messiah when he comes. Now that, that way, <clears throat> that preparation is a key word for John the Baptist's ministry. It was to make ready, make necessary preparations. Figuratively, here's what it means. It's, it's drawn from the Old Testament custom of if a king was coming down the highway, coming down the pathway to a town, they would send servants ahead of the king and take away the large stones so that the wagon, the king's wagon, could ride smoothly over the, the roadway, not have to climb over the big rocks. So, so there, was, there were servants that were sent ahead. So John the Baptist now, John the Baptist is sent, and he's crying, he comes out of the wilderness, and he's sent ahead of the Messiah, because you know what he's going to do? He's going to remove all these big ecclesiastical objects out of the road. And he's going to take these big denominational uh, big shots out of the road. And he's going to lift up those that are low and bring down those that are high. Because he's making level a place where Christ can come in and deal with everybody. And when Jesus came, he didn't have, uh, you know, respect for these people up here and no respect for these down here. That's not the way Jesus operated. That's not the way Jesus operates. And the prophet was sent to bring it all on one level so Christ could walk out and say, hey, it's neither male nor female, rich or poor. None of that. It's, it's for all of us. Right? We're all, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And John the Baptist's ministry was indeed to do that. <clears throat> Mark chapter 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare the way before thee, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, and make his path straight. So this is repeated in the gospels several times. And John did baptize in the wilderness and preach the baptism of repentance. That was the one common denominator everybody had to go through under John's ministry was to repent. And, and when you repent, you realize I'm wrong. We don't repent for other people, unless you're a Mormon. But 
everybody had to repent because they all had to admit. They all, if they were going to come under John's, the effect of John's ministry, it brought them to a place of repentance. And everyone came to this place of humility where they realized, you know what? We need the Savior John is talking about. And they never realized that Jesus was the one that John was talking about, but it was Jesus nonetheless. Okay? Now, <clears throat> now this gets really good. We've only got a couple of minutes here, so bear with me. In John chapter 1, this is the record of John. All right? So this is what John writes. John, the uh, gospel writer, writes about John the Baptist. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who art thou? And this was important for them because the answer to this question was going to determine what they did next. Because if you have a valid credential, if you have a, I mean, if you really are who you say you are and people are saying you are, then we got to do something. We got to find a way to discredit you. If you're just a fanatic, we can ignore you. But what we do next is going to depend on what you say. So this is really great because John says he confessed and denied not. He didn't hide it. He said, I'm not the Christ. Okay, <laughs> That's, we got that. And they asked him, that says, well, who are, you, who are you then? What then? Are you Elias? And he saith, I'm not. Art thou that prophet? And what they were referring to was Deuteronomy 18, 15. Take your Bible for a minute. I don't have it. If, for those of you that closed up your Bible, shame on you. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 18. Because this is the prophet that they had waited for for years and years and years. Years and years and years. They had waited for this prophet. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15. Everybody got it? The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a capital P, a prophet from the midst of thee of thy brethren like unto me, and unto him shall ye hearken. And onwards it goes. This was the promise of the prophet. This was the, the Christ, the Messiah. And they're asking, I am not, art thou that prophet? In Deuteronomy chapter 18, and he says no. Well, now this is confusing for them. And then in verse 22, they said unto him, well, who art thou that we may give an answer to them that sent us? What sayest thou of thyself? And he goes right back to Isaiah chapter 40, because that's his scriptural identification. That's where God prophesied of his particular ministry. And this is what he goes back to. He doesn't go back to say, I am John the Baptist in Isaiah. He, he just quotes the scripture and he says, uh, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. If you want to know who I am, that's who the Bible said I am and that's what the Bible said I do. I'm not that prophet of Deuteronomy chapter 18. I'm not the prophet who comes before the second coming of the Lord. I'm not the Messiah, but that's my scripture right there in Isaiah chapter 40. One thing about the prophets, they're all able to point to a scripture that identifies them. And he said, I'm one. Uh, he said, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, this one in the prophet, says the prophet Isaiah, verse 24. And they which were sent were of the Pharisees, and they asked him and said unto him, Why baptizest thou then, if thou not be the Christ, nor Elias, and neither that prophet? Like, we can't kind of figure this out. But what they, what they missed was scripture being fulfilled right in their eyes. This is the scripture coming to pass. And this is John the Baptist doing that. 
So behold, I send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. This is two days that he's referring to, the prophet Malachi, he's referring to, because a day is either great or it's dreadful. And in those days, in those two days, he's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. So Elijah, the spirit of Elijah comes before the great and dreadful day. Great was his first coming, which he did for his elect. You remember Luke chapter 4? And Jesus said, I'm come to set the captives free, right? The Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel, glad tidings and so forth, set the captives free and set at liberty them that are not and so forth. And Jesus came to free us from the bondage of sin. Isn't that right? right. He came so that we could be born again. And, and that was the, 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 the teaching that he gave out of the scripture in Luke chapter 4. The dreadful day is the day of the Lord or the time of judgment upon the earth for those that have rejected that plan of salvation. So he's talking about two different days, two very different days there. Now, let me just jump to, to something here. Just for time's sake, and I'll wrap this up. Sorry. Jesus said John the Baptist was Elijah in Matthew chapter 11, for all the prophets in the law prophesied until John. And if you'll receive it, this is Elias which was for to come. All the prophets, Jesus, this is Jesus speaking, all the prophets in the law prophesied until John. And if you'll receive it, this is Elias which was for to come. <clears throat> in John chapter 1, this is the record of John when the Jews sent the priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I'm not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Art thou Elias? And he said, No. Well, this is strange. This is odd because Jesus said John was Elijah and John said he wasn't. So does the Bible contradict itself? Not at all. Remember, the Jews were expecting the Messiah to destroy the Romans and set up Israel as the rulers of the world. So they were looking for Deuteronomy 18.15 to be fulfilled and for the Christ to come and cast out the Romans and establish the kingdom again like in the days of David and Solomon. And they were expecting an Elijah to forerun the Messiah who would come in power. And Jesus said, no, he came as a suffering Savior, right? Come on, folks. The first time he was on earth, he was there as a suffering Savior. He wasn't there to reign in power on the earth. He was there as a suffering Savior. He was there to fulfill the first three and a half weeks of Daniel 7. 70 weeks. And he said they were expecting an Elijah. They had a wrong expectation. Even the disciples had the wrong expectation. They said, wilt thou now again you know, restore the power again unto Israel and cast the Romans out? Jesus had to tell them several times, no, that's not what I'm here to do. And John said, no, I'm not that Elijah, for he was not sent. John was not sent before the coming of that dreadful day of the Lord. So they said unto him, who art thou? that we may give an answer. And John says, that's exactly uh, who this is. Now watch now, Matthew 17, last, last screen. And his disciples asked him, saying, why say the scribes that Elias must first come? And Jesus answered and said, Elias truly shall first come and restore all things. But I say unto you that Elias has come already, and they knew him not, but have done unto him whatsoever they listed. Then the disciples understood that he spake of them of John the Baptist. If anybody back in that day listening to Jesus, went and scratched their head because they weren't clear about all of this, I think they'd have every right to do that. But now, us looking back in hindsight, we know 
We know that God used the spirit of Elijah not once, not twice, not three, not four, but five times, right? And so when we talk about that Elijah or this Elijah or that Elijah or the coming Elijah, we know exactly who he's talking about, right? So there was two Elijahs to come according to Malachi 4. One was to come in the days prior to the Messiah who would set us free from sin. And then another Elijah who would come, another man would come with the spirit of Elijah, and he would be there in the time of judgment. The Gentile dispensation would end, and it would turn back to the Jews again. But it would be a time where the world enters into judgment. How many agree we're entering into tribulation and judgment? That whole cycle is already beginning in the earth, right? I mean, look, look at... Don't, don't do this at home, but look at the news and look at the, you know, the fires and the, and the, the weather and the earth and the armies and, uh, you know, the, the, the nations of the earth and all the different scenarios that, that you're hearing about and all the scenarios you're not hearing about and all the things that, that people in power are worried about and all the rest of it. And we, let me tell you, we had a prophet that came and knew what was happening in, in, in the world and knew what was going to happen in the world and knew where it was going to wind up here. And knew that the whole thing is sliding into judgment. And let me tell you, God sent a message for those that were predestinated in the last day to receive that message and come underneath that anointing of a prophet in the last day so they could be captured and taken away in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. It's not that God's going to reach into the tribulation and take the bride out. God's already prepared the bride for that translation even before the tribulation begins. Glory to God. I wish I could clap my hands and, and uh, rejoice. Why don't we stand to our feet and maybe we could do that together. Hey, listen, it's a glorious thing that God has done to be able to capture his bride out. But he did it using that spirit of Elijah that calls out. He used that spirit of Elijah in the days of uh, Elijah himself to, to deal with Ahab and the sin of the, of the nation of that time. And then in John the Baptist and Elisha and then also in our time to, to, to absolutely single-handedly face down those denominational systems and to be able to look at it and say, you have no power over the bride of Christ. They've got to come forth. They've got to stand on their own. And they are elected, they're ordained, they're, uh, they're conceived in the mind of God and placed in the Lamb's book of life and nothing can hold them back. And every denominational door had to creak open and had to come wide open and let the bride of Christ come out. And here we are today. And I believe it's because God used that spirit of Elijah in our time. <clears throat> let me tell you, saints of God, it's an exciting thing. We'll, we'll maybe revisit that and, and finish the, the picture, put all the brush strokes on it there for you. But let me tell you something. We're living at the end of what God has already done for our, in our day. Living at the end of things. But there's one thing left. And that is a change of our bodies. God takes us out of this world. <clears throat> God takes us all the way home. I believe that it's going to be a glorious day when all of that takes place. Don't you believe that? Amen. Amen. I believe that with all of my heart. <clears throat> I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing. I think it's in the key of F. Is that where it is? I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing. Yes, I will sing. I will sing of the mercies of my Lord forever. I will sing of the mercies of my Lord. And with my mouth shall I make known thy faithfulness, thy faithfulness. With my mouth shall I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. I will sing of the mercy. 
mercies of the Lord forever I will sing of the mercies of the Lord it's Jesus on the inside working on the outside oh what a change in my life Jesus on the inside working on the outside oh what a change in my life Jesus on the inside working on the outside oh what a change in my life oh what a change in my life if the same from the dead dwell in you dwell in you if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you dwell in you oh it will quicken your mortal body if that spirit dwell in you yes it will quicken Because, Lord, there's a song in our heart realizing that you've chosen us, Lord. And we stand here tonight by your grace, facing the end. But, Lord, we're not alone. We believe you're with us, even in us, till the end of the way. And, Lord, you've given us a great message, a great prophet that came in the last day, Lord, to minister truth to us, show us the way. We thank you, Lord, for those signposts in the way that are clear. We don't have to be theologians to figure it out. We don't have to be intellectual to figure it out. We just need to have Christ in us, the hope of glory. And Lord, when we do, we have greater is he that's in us than he that's in this world. 
We thank you, Lord, for your love to us. Bless the people now, we pray. Minister to those who are sick and needy, Lord. And I pray that you would hold us in your hand until we meet again. In the precious and holy name of Jesus, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Singing as you go tonight. The move is on, my Lord. The move is on. The move is on.